Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostrauss, the host. Hey, when you get a chance, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, give us some feedback. We love feedback. Five stars are always great. And head over to disrupteducation.co. You can uh, read my blog. You can check out what's going on in innovation and education and where the unlearning coach is. Hint, hint, that's me. On today's podcast, I have the person who will help all of us have those difficult conversations with our students, Tasha Lawton. Tasha is the founder of Talk Revolution, and she has created a curriculum around very difficult conversations we have with youth and helping us all understand it's okay to talk about this. It's a great conversation. Hang around. We'll be right back. Are you an individual or business wanting to create an online course or training program, but are overwhelmed with the e-learning process and don't even know where to start? If so, you don't want to miss this free masterclass called Create and Launch a Successful E-Learning Program Online Course or Virtual Training, where you will learn the biggest mistake most people make with e-learning, the number one reason most e-learning programs fail, and the three pillars to create extraordinary value for your learners every time and much more. Get instant access to the free masterclass right now by clicking on the link in the description. All you have to do is sign in and you will get instant access to this free masterclass right now. The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Welcome to this episode of Disrupt Education. I am going halfway around the world to Australia, and I have Tasha Lawton here of Talk Revolution. Tasha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me, and um, good morning. Yes, it's awesome because it's the evening before where I'm at, so I'm going to have her play lottery numbers for today here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that works, but but let's... Happen. Yeah, I'll tell you, I can read your future. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, now, so let's, yeah, let's jump in. Uh, Tasha, tell us a little bit about who you are um, and kind of uh, your path in education. Well, I am a non-traditional educator, so not, I haven't gone to university and I'm not a teacher. Um, I feel like I'm a natural born educator, having had children and having, uh, I don't know, I think we're all, aren't we, some way shape or form educators we just you know we just haven't realized that yet uh so I started off way back in advertising and marketing and then I realized that I didn't want to do that anymore I didn't want to be a prostitute basically sorry (laughs) enough people that are in advertising um and then I moved into kind of like the media space and I started off um making documentaries so I was making a documentary about periods and on the flip side of that, when I finished it, I was going to chop it up and put it into schools. So there was an education piece for kids because I realized that there's hardly anything out there on the true, all the parts of the menstrual menstrual cycle in terms of like the products, 
the environmental impact, you know, like we can all talk about this 28 days, but there's just like not enough detail at all. Like it's an amazing, phenomenal cycle. And once you get empowered and understand it, you can really start to work with it. So I realized, okay, I need to do something for kids to have this experience from an early age so they can start understanding about it. But then I realized that the documentary itself, if I just chopped that up and chucked it into schools, it's probably not the right audience. I haven't made it, you know, spot on for what they need to hear. So I've like shelved the documentary, which was like lifelong thing. That's what I thought I was here to do. And then I moved into doing period talk for schools. That ended up being received really, really well. I made it um, through videos by kids. So kids are delivering the information so it's not coming from you know crusty middle-aged white people um, which doesn't tend to work so well apparently and um and then gave i've had teachers involved with writing it obviously so kids involved teachers involved parents involved and people in the menstrual world involved and then from there i kind of thought that was going to be it and then i kind of started to go what other topics aren't being touched on and talked about in a really normal way? The whole point is wanting to normalize conversations, smash the shame and the stigma around periods to start with predominantly. And then I'm like, hmm, well, hang on a minute. My brother committed suicide when he was 19. Whenever I mention that to people, it sends people either go, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And like, it makes it really uncomfortable or the people don't know what to do or don't know how to respond or don't know how to react. So I kind of went, mm, like, I'm actually not uncomfortable talking about it, but now I'm feeling uncomfortable talking about it because I can feel your uncomfortableness <laughs> about me talking about it. So I was like, ah, okay. And then I started to realize heaps of other topics have that same kind of stigma. So then I branched out from periods into alcohol, drugs, eating disorders, gender-based violence, periods, obviously, sex, sexuality, and suicide and self-harm in the same way as I um, attacked period talk. Right. That was a very long-winded so, answer. No, that's fine. You you saw me like I was like cringing because that's the, your entire, like, I'm, ooh, how do I react to that? How do I... Um, <laughs> but that's what it is, right? That's the the talk revolution. Um, so let's kind of go back into your your educational path, right? So uh, yeah. for people in the states, I mean, we have you know our not um, K through twelve. Uh, then mm -hmm. you go on to university or you go into trade school or whatever. Is that similar in in Australia? What what does it look like uh, in Australia? Yes, that is similar in yeah. Australia, um, but I actually grew up in England. True, that's right, that's right. Which is, it's, I mean, really, to all intents and purposes, it is pretty much similar. You know, I went to a very well-to-do, posh English school, mm. um, all-girls boarding school, um, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the one difference that happened for me was that I actually really wanted to go to university. Like, all my friends were going. I didn't want to go because everyone else was going. I wanted to go because I wanted to be a translator for the UN. Mm -hmm. But my parents said, no, you're not going to uni. You're going to go to the University of Life. And I was like, ah, what? Hang on a minute. <laughs> so I was like the only person that I knew that actually wanted to go that wasn't allowed to go. Mm -hmm. um, so I went and started working for my dad. On reflection now, and I think I mentioned this to you briefly mm -hmm. the time that we spoke before, I actually feel like that's been a really uh, massive blessing to me because having not gone, 
I don't know what I should be doing, <laughs> right. if that makes sense. So my ability to, I don't know, this entrepreneurial thing, you know, like it's got so many, I don't, I, I don't like to, I love the fact that, you know, people refer to me as an entrepreneur, but I just think that's such a, can I say wanky word? Yeah, I just did. absolutely. I don't know, there's something about that, I don't know. It just means, you know, everyone's out there. They've got no clue what they're doing and they're making it up as they go. That's what I feel like I'm doing, but I'm really enjoying that journey because I'm learning so much. I'm learning to fail. I'm learning to do things that I was never taught and would never probably be taught in terms of money, financials, um, business, all the things. And I really feel like if I had stuck to that old school path of, you know, university, I'd be stuck, I feel like, and I'd be doing things in a way that would be counterintuitive. So now I'm just kind of like doing whatever and just hoping hoping that it works. Uh, well, I will tell you, it is working <laughs> because, yeah. but, you know, that's a different lens for an, uh, the <laughs> entrepreneur, right? I mean, you're right. It is uh, the journey and the experiences. So it's experiential learning, which is I always say is greater than sit and get or, you know, academia. I mean, if you combine them, yeah, I'm sure there's a power there. Um, but I truly agree with you um, as an entrepreneur myself. I'll just use the word. The wanky word, I love it. Um, the uh, yeah, um, but you're right. You're right. It is uh, teaching yourself things through experience, failures, all these crazy things. Um, I did go to university uh, here. I have a business minor, and then I had to go back and get a business major to teach business here in the states. And you're right. It's uh, it is. I learned much more when I started my own business. Like it was insane amounts of knowledge coming in. So, um, with that being said, um, what is it like for for people to see these talks? How did you figure out what was that path like? So you 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 created this the documentary, and you're like, nope, that's that's not working. Cut it up. And then, um, how did you start to pick topics? Um, outside because we're parents we had this talk a little bit before um, I don't like having these conversations with my kids either <laughs> I mean it's it's difficult uh, how are you able to do that how are you able to get people together and you know on your videos and in the the lessons that you have you do have young people talking to young people which is amazing so can you talk us through that little bit of a journey and some of the highlights on that yeah, absolutely. And that's what I kind of think has blown me away as well. Like, So the kids that are in the videos, two of them are mine, mm -hmm. um, which they'll probably, you know, hate me for and I'll be in therapy in a few <laughs> years' time. <laughs> but um, the ones that aren't, they genuinely wanted to be involved with it because either they knew a friend who was struggling with one or more of these areas, they were struggling themselves, they didn't feel like they had... Um, very good education when they were at school about the topics and they just felt like they wanted to speak on behalf of their peers, if you like, mm -hmm. uh, to help change the way these topics are spoken about because they see a lot of their friends struggling. And I just want to caveat, you know, like I'm not saying teenagers, yes, they're going to do things. Mm -hmm. It's not to say, right, we're going to watch these videos and everyone's going to be perfectly behaved. <laughs> no one's going to take any drugs and no one's going to drink any alcohol. Like, obviously, that's not going to happen. However, 
the idea being that if you can empower the kids to actually be able to have a real sense of themselves and their peers and be able to understand signs, um, be able to kind of really differentiate within themselves around emotional differences and what it means to like, you know, having a shitty day and like, no, I've been feeling like this for two weeks and now I feel like, you know, there's a problem. And people and their mates to be able to pick that up on each other and also to say it's okay to have a shitty day. Like that's okay as well. Mm-hmm. And for people and for kids to appreciate different traditions and cultures and be able to, you know, be more empathetic and just humanize and empathize and give our kids a huge amount of EQ from a much earlier age because we stack our stuff you know, environment does, churches do, you know, God, politicians, everything. Mm -hmm. And kids are always told, we're always telling them, telling them what to do. Like they're, they're amazing. They've got so, they know, they know way more than we give them credit for. They really do. They need to be respected more. They need to be listened to more. And they actually need to be valued a lot more, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Coming up after the break, I speak with Tasha a little bit more about the difference between EQ and IQ and how we are missing one of those two. Hang around. We'll be right back on Disrupt Education. I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses SpikeView to share his learning journey. Um, I think it's really cool that you know SpikeView is really putting that abstract into con- concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think SpikeView is different than anything else out there. Um, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, th- that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs and, um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take, take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there. Um, and share with other people. And that's, you know, that's really powerful. And that, you know, that professional networking piece, um, you know, to be with other like-minded teenagers, that puts you ahead. That puts you ahead in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, I think anyone who uses Spike View right now has a leg up in the future and excited to see, you know, where those Spike View alumni head up. Head to spikeview.com. Start your portfolio now for free. Giving kids the opportunity to actually be okay to talk about these subjects. I will tell you as an educator, um, here in the States, a lot of this is like, whoa, you know, like I I would never feel comfortable talking about some of these things. Um, And I don't know if my administrators would be like, uh, Mr. H, I don't think you should be talking about those things. So, how has it been received? Um, and and who are your clientele? Are you are you more with homeschoolers? Are you working with into, uh, the the system? Uh, is it both? What what is that like? You're not alone with that at all. Yeah. And this is what I'm realizing through the journey. As much as I've gone, I've made a massive assumption that we're all ready to. <laughs> 
have these conversations and we're really comfortable and we've got no hang-ups and stigmas and shame of our own. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm, hang on a minute. I think I'm kind of like going maybe even a little bit too far ahead because that you're absolutely right. The biggest challenge is getting the teachers or the parents to be comfortable and not fearful to be delivering the subject. So, for example, like with suicide, the amount of times I hear people say, oh, no, 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 no. if you talk about suicide, then you actually put that suggestion into young people's minds. Mm -hmm. And it's proven that that's not the case. Um, So there's so much fear and potential, you know, fear from parents and backlash. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's a big cultural uh, shift that needs to happen across adults you know like we're going I, I really want the kids are like the easy bit actually it's almost <laughs> like we have to get out of the way if we're not prepared to if we're not prepared to have the conversation they are going to have the conversation they will find out the information if it's not going to come from you it's going to cut they will get it from their peer or they're going to get onto google so like you know guys one in four in australia i don't know about you but one in four kids have mental health challenges. One in 10 of them are um, self-harming. One in 20 have attempted suicide. Like that's not made up numbers, that's real numbers. Mm -hmm. But there's just seems to be like this kind of, oh yeah, yeah, that's terrible. But then, yeah, right. (laughs) I'm like, I wanna do something. So it's a challenge. Well, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur, right? And that's why I think this is uh, this is pretty cool. And I was like, "Do you got this in the states? Because you need to bring this over here." Um, but you're right. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. We'll we'll start that here on Disrupt Education. Um, I think uh, I think one of the one of the the greatest pieces of the conversation that we had, and you mentioned it here, was the baggage that us as parents even bring to this, right? Um, I I feel like that's why when parents get upset about somebody else talking to your kid about this, but somehow you figured it out, right? You, you put kids talking with kids and that extra lens. Um, even I know as, you know, a, a baseball coach in little league, if my kid is, and I'm coaching, I'll nudge the other coach and say, Hey, can you tell him to maybe change up? Cause he's not going to listen to me. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's what's, you know, really interesting what what kind of uh uh things have you seen kids after this do they start talking about it what kind of what kind of experiences uh have you seen youth uh after they go through uh this program um yeah what are, what are some successes there they've definitely the the feedback has been that at, right right at the beginning you can see everyone being like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know like really a bit kind of hang on a minute i'm not sure how i feel about this but then when they relax into it and then you know the kids that are delivering the I specifically as well didn't choose actors mm-hmm. because I didn't want it to be I didn't want it to be um a, well I say scripted it kind of was scripted but in such a way that you know my kids said to me we watch stuff at school it's like oh it's a role play or it's a thing that's been oh you know so and so big um a video of a story of someone going to a pub or a party and then they just sit there going, oh, my God, like, we know it's not real. We know that. Like, it just isn't – it's not sitting with them. Mm-hmm. They're not – again, they're not stupid. So so that was the biggest feedback in terms of from the kids. They really genuinely felt like they were being connected with 
level on their level. Um, very conversational. It opens up for the teachers. They found it a lot easier then to be able to go deeper into subjects. Um, which they hadn't been able to do in the past. Mm -hmm. They felt more comfortable being able to deliver and start talking about these topics. There's activities to go with them as well for the teachers. And they felt like the conversations that came out of it were way more expansive, way more um, strength-based, way more uh, positive, way more kind of inclusive and... Yeah, just, I mean, all right. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm not just saying that. Yeah. To kind of, mm -hmm. there's no negative feedback. Um, but so far, it's just been, you know, for the parents, there's discussion starters. So, yeah, yeah. You can, you can have as much involvement if, as, or as little as you want, you mm -hmm. know, but somehow you've got to feel like you've done something, you've given them something. In schools that you've worked with, are, are, are the, do these? How does this intertwine? Does it intertwine like in a in a health curriculum? Is it just a separate thing? What what does that look like there? Well, here um, there's the health and physical education right. part of the curriculum. That Talk Revolution covers up to eighty five percent of the health content of the health and physical education mm -hmm. curriculum. So, again, challenge wise has been. And I don't want to sound like I'm stereotyping. A lot of people that have gone into that role have taken that role on because for them, majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them are interested in the physical education side. Right. They yep. know that there's a health part, but I think what's happening is they're going, whoa, I know there's a health part, but I didn't realize it was like life coaching, counseling. I've got to talk about periods. I've got to like, blah. So I think... That's, again, another challenge and a question, like, is it in the right part of the curriculum? Should it sit somewhere else? But then in some other schools, wellness coordinators deliver it. Sometimes it's the school nurse. Um, I do know that there's a, bit, a, a big push now that when they're teaching teachers at uni, that they really are starting to pull out like a health part, yeah. which I think is probably really sensible because, you know, like, I get it. There's a lot of pressure put on teachers. I, what I heard this morning on the radio, they say 60% is paperwork, 30% is counselling, and 10% is teaching. <laughs> I would agree with that. I would totally like, agree with that. You know, and then on top of that, you're expected to basically, could you just teach my kids all about sex, drugs, alcohol, periods, sexuality, pansexual? Did you know that there's 120 different sexual... Like, how the hell are you supposed to know all of that? <laughs> like, really? Right. Right. It's massive. It's a massive responsibility. Yeah. It needs I, to be around. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up like university because uh, I, I feel like as as an educator now, I was I'm gonna date myself here, but twenty years ago is when I went through that. And it was all about management, manage the class, you know, and we've obviously evolved <laughs> out of that in reality. Um, but in other places, you know, when you have those hard discussions, even in, you know, I mean, even beyond this, when it goes into equity and culture and all these different things that come into play, uh, I'll be honest, I'm just a white dude who doesn't really understand that stuff and I need to learn more. So, uh, yeah, with the health part, I can totally see um, this coming into play and, and going forward. So my question is to you, knowing what you know here. And as, as you built through this, a mother, an educator, um, somebody who didn't go to university yet is 
in my opinion, I think you're succeeding because you're making a difference. So for me, that and if you're living your fulfilled life and we're still, we'll grow up when we're 75, I get it. Um, but um, how would you change? What would be one or two things in the, in the education system right now that if you had the power to flick the switch and change, what, what would that be? Um, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like there's a massive gap in that. Huge. Indiv- individualized learning. Um, finances. Let's talk, you know, let's teach our kids about finances. Let's teach our kids about buying a house. Let's, let's have normal conversation. I've literally, my daughter has just been, I've just been sat with her for like five minutes. She's doing her maths homework right now mm-hmm. and she's pulling out, I don't even know what the name is of these equations <laughs> and like that big with letters and numbers. And I'm kind of like, I don't want to say, maths is hugely important. I get that. Mm-hmm. But there's so much importance put on the intellectual side, which I get is so important, truly. There was a really good conversation in Clubhouse, actually, EQ versus IQ. Mm-hmm and what people thought was more important. Um, And I feel like both are important, but we haven't put as much time and effort into the EQ as we have into the IQ. And I think the teachers, humans, us, we change the school, but we have to like really start looking. Things are changing so quickly. And if we don't keep up with the stuff that's happening, and we don't start actually genuinely seeing that all these figures and statistics about suicide and mental health, like they're not being thrown around for a joke. So we have to step up mm-hmm. as teachers and educators as well to take responsibility for that part. So many factors, but understanding our students first. I mean, as an educator for 20 years, I, I've, I really see you cannot teach somebody if you don't know them first and they don't and and better yet if they know themselves even better you know and they they you know going through that eq um wow i missed that clubhouse chat today i'm a little bummed on that uh although i'd probably still be on it because i love clubhouse uh for the educators out there you all know get on clubhouse Um, but uh so I want to I want to round out here. How how can people connect with you and connect with Talk Revolution and learn more about this amazing? I mean, set of eight. I'm going to guess there's going to be more coming. I don't know uh, because well, there's yeah. a lot of tough conversations out there. But yeah, how can people uh, connect with you, Tasha, and and the organization? Well, thank you. It's just the website talkrevolution.com.au. I'm on Instagram, Talk Revolution. Facebook is Talk Revolution, and I'm really happy any emails, phone calls, whatever. Like I, I'm open to funnily enough talking to anyone about all the things because yeah, for me, like we just need to really get out of our own way and just get real with conversations around all these topics and get fear. Like man was so fear comes so many people come from such a fear based and I get that as well. And that's not their fault. You know, mm-hmm. if you, you don't know what you don't know, but, you know, conversations, normalizing topics that are uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, if you're uncomfortable listening to this, if you're uncomfortable talk, you know, like someone said to you, well, you know, would you be all right talking to your daughter about periods or single dads? You know, like everyone needs to have the support to be able to be the best version of themselves, to empower their kids to be the best version of themselves. Mm. But there's no shame in admitting that we're uncomfortable. Yeah. 
I yeah, I completely agree. And as you were talking about that, I'm thinking about the conversations I've had with my kids and how much more I could have added with this. Uh, you know, they're grown a little bit now, but uh, but you're right. And I do want to thank you for. You know, when we do have these difficult conversations and these difficult pieces of learning that are real life, um, not many people step up. And to me, we just talked about this right before the podcast is putting your cape on and making it happen. Um, But Tasha, I really appreciate you and what you're doing. Um, The website is talkrevolution.com.au. Um, you want to check that out, uh, and I'll put up uh, all your connections on the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on Disrupt Education. Thank you. I really appreciate it, and I love what you're doing as well, so keep going. All right. Thank you all for listening and watching. Till next time, we'll see you on Disrupt Education.